there's going to be about an hour and a half's worth at one point let's say in about as i know six months time of material that is just like ex-wife jokes that you've cut out yeah anyway sorry do continue we're we're keeping the first one don't worry oh good (laughs) you guys are making a podcast for this so welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris me graham jones and this week we're uh shortening things keeping it tight keeping it tight like a tiger tweets like a tiger and we're talking about films less than 90 minutes long graham do you remember what made us talk about this? Uh, was it when I pointed out the length of Jungle Cruise? Jungle Cruise! <laughs> Jungle Cruise is 127 minutes long. Don't get me wrong, I love The Rock, I love Emily Blunt, I love Jungles and Cruises. It all it all gels together to make, a, a, I think, a good film. But do you know how long the Jungle Cruise ride is? Uh, I've been on it about four minutes? Eight minutes. Oh, okay, it's longer than I remember. So... Jungle Cruise is just over, or just under, two hours longer than Jungle Cruise. I don't think we need that film to be over two hours long. No, I mean, from from memory of going on the ride, it's not, like, there's not a storyline to it. Because obviously Pirates of the Caribbean is the other Disney franchise that came from a ride at Disneyland. Yeah. But that kind of, I don't know, it feels like maybe there's a bit more substance to to it and something you can spin a story from jungle cruise is literally as far as i remember it a cruise through a jungle with not much happening apart from some animatronic animals and then suddenly the rock, the rock. and jack whitehall unfortunately oh yeah and um <laughs> matt damon's puppet matt damon's puppet uh jesse plemons jesse plemons can only be described he looks like matt damon's puppet in team america <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah, Chris Pine also looks like a puppet from Team America. Yeah, Chris Pine absolutely does. But specifically in that Disney film... Into the Woods? With Oprah? Fairies. Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time. Chris Pine in Wrinkle in Time looks like when he gets made to look like a terrorist, he's saying, kiss me, kiss me. So uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go straight into straight into the goods, shall we? Uh, this is a weird question to ask, but you, you know it was going to happen. Uh, what's your favourite length of film? <laughs> what do you what do you uh, like? What, what do you look at a film and think? Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a strong hour forty five man. Films, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Minute forty five. Um, no, yeah. None of this tantric sting bullshit. <laughs> I um. I I would say probably around the same like if a film's over two hours it has to be something that I really want to see and yeah. looks really fucking good. I I like the ability. So we watched Airplane, right? Yeah. Airplane's like an hour and twenty ish, hour and twenty five. Just yeah, just under an hour and a half. And the beauty of that was like I wanted to go to the gym that evening. You put Airplane on, and I could quite easily be like, oh, I'm gonna wait. Until I go, to, I'm going to watch Airplane, and I can still go to the gym afterwards. Why are you laughing so much? I <laughs> just like, uh, you know, the marketer in you, like a uh, hour and a half movies, movies for people who have plans. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like it, if you'd have put Jungle Cruise on or The Irishman, 
There's no chance I'm also getting to the gym. Sorry, the Irishman. <laughs> yeah. I still can't... I, again, and like the Irishman is so long, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it. Yeah, I, this is... The, and I, I know I'd like it. I, yeah. I know it's good, but I can't bring myself to watch something that's over four hours long. But you, you have to... They're the kind of movies that you have to plan your day around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like to watch a film that's over two hours long, you have to have made the conscious decision that you were going to watch a film. Yeah. Well, hour and a half, it is more of a a stick on kind of job. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. So yeah, I think anything. I mean, I do quite like. I I do miss the sort of like eighty minute movies, like an eighty minute film. I wouldn't say it's necessarily my optimal length, <laughs> but <laughs> I do quite like an eighty minute movie. I don't know why we've because actually if if i look at when well we'll talk about it later but if i look at the movies that i've picked they're all kind of from a sort of sweet spot in the mid 2010s where it seemed that maybe we weren't in this like every movie has to be over two hours long whereas in the last few years it just feels like there's a real trend towards it i I wonder if part of it is because now films aren't necessarily being designed for a cinema release yeah, there is that too. I'm wondering if, like, uh, again, podcast favourite Zack Schneider. Yeah. There's a reason they didn't release his four-hour-plus cut of Justice League in the cinema, because it's not going to work. Yeah, but then, weirdly, for me, I'm better at watching a longer film in the cinema than I, than I am at home, because at home there are distractions, there's other things that I could be doing. Like, the idea of sitting down for four hours at home is quite difficult, whereas if I am in the cinema and i've paid to be there there's no well yeah hopefully there's no one being a prick there's no distractions i'm in that's much better for me to watch a long movie weirdly maybe i'm in the minority there but yeah yeah no i I do get what you mean but i I think it's i think part i would personally put part of it on films are now being designed to be watched at home i mean you're probably Um, right as i said probably in the minority and also I, i guess part of it is directors are getting a lot more freedom and stuff now as well yeah, I've got a very. And it's hard to edit your own shit. Yeah, <laughs> you've had your weird question. Here's mine. Outside of cinema, what's the best thing you've seen take place in ninety minutes? In person? Either, either or. Uh, Wales beating England thirty to three in the Six Nations because <laughs> it was it was a strong eighty minutes, and I got to sit there watching it with a friend, friend of the podcast, Viking Allen. <laughs> I bet he loved it, that. It was beautiful like i got to see the five stages of grief in a man <laughs> it's yeah I, i'm not sure like uh that lindemann gig we talked about on the fictional okay, movie thing was shoot. very a, a good use of less than 90 minutes yeah yeah off the top of my head i think i'd have to pick those two yeah i would obviously go with the watford leicester playoff semi-final in 2013 oh obviously yeah um, we're at watford one have you have you i've been intrigued actually have you seen the clip it's like a it's one of those clips that oh i i 100 have seen the clip because you have 100 shared to the clip (laughs) yeah so the penalty the penalty that wasn't a penalty yes they missed we went up the other end and scored yes yes i have seen that yeah um i watched it again in preparation for this because i knew i was going to talk about it still gives me goosebumps every single time Uh, weirdly not in preparation for it i watched the beginning of the Wales England thirty three game the other day. Oh, you just you you felt you I, felt I, the need for. I regularly it. watch it now because that's the. It, it happens a lot. I, I guess it happens in football as well, but especially in rugby because more rugby matches start with national anthems. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, especially with Wales, you watch them sing the national anthem and you just kind of know they're going to win. Right. Okay. So, like the Welsh national anthem 
video that goes around is that game right and you watch it and it's like well yeah we're, of course we're winning <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind that we are going to win this game nice okay stop stop england getting the grand slam as well it's, uh, <laughs> good times i think that's definitely my technically the game went to 97 minutes but like with stoppage time and everything you know i'm, I'm gonna claim it it's also fun fact so i at the end of that game cried because that sport does that to me apparently i was berated for for many years by my ex-wife that i cried at a football game but didn't cry at our wedding however she's my ex-wife therefore i was probably in the right wasn't i listeners and, and watford is still your football team <laughs> watford is still my football so, team yeah you know you might have made mistakes but your tear ducks knew what was going on exactly that uh, just while i think in advance whether i'm going to edit that joke out um so i don't know about you for this episode but i've made the conscious decision to try to avoid films we've talked about at length before because a couple of the obvious go-to choices we have talked about at length so i obsessively rate every movie i've watched on imdb yeah. which for episodes like this is really useful. So my actual top-rated film that's less than 90 minutes, um, it, I gave it a 10 out of 10, and I haven't given many films a 10 out of 10. Right. Grave of the Fireflies. Yep. I'm not talking about Grave of the Fireflies again <laughs> because it's a very, very good and beautiful film, but it's really, really depressing. Yep. Empress New Groove was another go-to, but we've talked about that on our movies to watch on a bad day muppets christmas carol didn't seem uh as relevant in july <laughs> august fuck it's august it is august but also not relevant airplane yeah the evil dead evil dead 2 evil dead 3 like there's a, lo- a lot out there we could have talked about but i've decided to steer away for them just for today yeah, I've done broadly the same. One of them we mentioned in passing last week, but I don't think we've delved into. Um, and I also made the conscious decision to like steer it, stay away from kids' movies. There's a lot of very good kids' movies, but they tend to be on the shorter side of 90 minutes, purely, I guess, because kids don't have very long attention spans. You say that, they will still watch those films like three, four times in a row. Oh, yeah, yeah. My So a very good friend of mine, her son, of I, I guess Disney Plus for like parents during the pandemic was an absolute fucking godsend well there's a they pushed it out early didn't they yeah yeah and parents I, and shareholders i went round. i went round to theirs and he was watching moana for what i can only assume was the 395th time and there's a bit in it where it's it's kind of it's completely inconsequential to the story but there's a bit in it where someone throws an axe and it like hits the tree and he was able to like beat perfect like mime the axe going in and it hitting the tree because he'd obviously watched it so many times it it was it's crazy so yeah you're right they will watch him over and over and over again did did you see the uh, there was a youtube video of a kid mimicking bruce lee no uh, with so it's uh, like the bruce lee nunchuck scene yeah and the kid's doing it and he's got the TV on in the background. Oh, no, sorry, I not, have yeah, seen it. He's not watching the TV. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. in front of the TV. <laughs> Looking the it. other way. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I will never be able to <laughs> do that. No, it's, yeah, I, I have, I know exactly what you mean. And, uh, yeah, and also other things that we couldn't include were things like the uh, the White Album by the Beatles, because that is over an hour and a half long. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but... White Albums aside, do you have a movie recommendation nobody asked for this week? Uh, no. Uh, actually, I don't. Uh, I have 
movie recommendations. So for my movie recommendation of the week, I am picking the entire extended Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> nice. All 686 minutes of it. Because obviously, if we're doing films less than 90 minutes, the other side of the length spectrum needs to get its fair share in as well. So, (laughs) first of all... The Dirk Diggler of films. Yeah. So, like, some director's cuts are really good. Some are a shameless cash grab. Yeah. Right? The extended cuts of Lord of the Rings are my favourite version of the films. They add a lot of really interesting stuff, but if you were watching it in the cinema you know, annually, like they were released. They wouldn't necessarily add a lot to the story, but I think in a proper, like, marathon rewatch, it adds a lot to it. So I have seen... I have sat through the entire extended Lord of the Rings trilogy at least four times. And I think two or three of those times were back-to-back, because I don't have a lot going on. Oh, they! I know they do it at the Prince Charles, like as yeah. an overnight thing. I quite like to to watch them all the way through. Did you have the same like when they originally, not the obviously the extended cuts, but when the Lord of the Rings films originally came out? That three year span of them yeah. coming out just before Christmas was kind of like a ritual thing. Like yeah. went with the same people and stuff. It was um, it was it was a simpler time. Yeah, no, it was always me and my dad, because uh, my brother and I quote is not into that dragon shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but an interesting, interesting fact for just me: uh, Return of the King is two hundred and sixty-three minutes long. The combined time of my three choices today is two hundred and forty-seven minutes long. So, okay. the three films I'm going to talk about come in fifteen minutes shorter than the extended cut of Return of the King. That's nuts, isn't it? Was Lord of the Rings kind of the tipping point where people were like we're going to make three-hour-plus movies now? I don't remember too many pre Lord I don't of the know, Rings. The, the thing as well, like you did, you did have a lot of like, I think in like the sixties and seventies, you had a lot like Lawrence of Arabia goes on forever, which is ironic given he dies at the end of the film. <laughs> uh, that's not a spoiler. That's history. Shut up. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not sure what I would, what I would put the like patient zero of it. Yeah, I, I think also fantasy seems to get a bit more slack when it comes to it. Yeah, and obviously, like the the Harry Potter films, kind of went that day. Like the early ones were quite sh- were shorter, but they kind yeah. of moved into that. As soon as they started diving into the actual plot of it all, they started ballooning. Yeah, although they did miss out an entire subplot from now, uh, Goblet of Fire. Now, Harry Potter is the patient zero for cutting a book in half. Yes. Like, what, I, what I don't like about Harry Potter is, like, I get the Deathly Hallows is a thing. But if you're in a film series, don't have a part one and a part two. Just call them two different things. Yeah. It, 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 it fucks with the naming conventions. <laughs> and I like a good naming convention. Which is weird for someone who likes horror movies so much. Very true. <laughs> so if, if people don't have the best part of... 686 minutes. To, uh, to watch the entirety of the extended cut of the Lord of the Rings trilogy... Um, is there anything else that they could maybe spend their time watching? Yeah, so say if you're, if, if you're like Graham... And you're you're sitting at home, you're you're about to go to the gym, and you think, you know what? I don't have six hundred and eighty-six minutes. All I have is a hundred and thirty-eight minutes. Then I would recommend Midsummer. So Midsummer is still a long film, but kind of like very similar to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'll put that in the bucket of things nobody has ever said before. The the pace keeps its way up the whole time. Like it never feels like a two hour plus film. Yeah. Like it it you're always edge of your seat even if you can't quite 
fully explain why. So I would recommend Midsummer, the Ariasta cult masterpiece. In more ways than one. In more ways than one. And on that note, I believe it is, uh, it is your, your choice for the first choice. It is my choice for the first choice. <laughs> right, and stopwatch, go. Cool. So my first pick is a film from 2012. It is, yes, nearly 10 years old, which uh, shocked me when I was researching this. So much um, that you walked into the living room and told me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a movie directed by Colin Trevorrow, who's basically gone on to do all of the Jurassic World stuff and was yanked off of Rise of Skywalker. Yes, I knew he got yanked off of something. Was it because he was difficult to work with? I'm not entirely sure, actually. I didn't I didn't look into it. I think there was something along that, or it maybe he wasn't... To. Yeah, or he wasn't necessarily, like, playing Star Wars ball. Yeah. Which sounds like a great game. And it comes in at oh, a... Sorry, Star Wars... Like, a Star Wars sport game would be incredible. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, Blitzball, but with lasers. I was going to say Blitzball. <laughs> but, um, given I spent more time on Final Fantasy X playing Blitzball than the actual plot, we can't do a tangent into that. <laughs> it's... So it's basically underwater football. No, sorry. Carry on. So the, the movie comes in a very nice 86 minutes, and it is a film called Safety Not Guaranteed. So Safety Not Guaranteed was... Um, I don't know if it was Colin Trevorrow's debut. I think it might have been his second movie. It stars Aubrey Plaza and Mark Duplass, or that guy from the league who didn't lie about being in 9-11, or Mark Duplass, who plays a fantastic psychopath in both of the creep movies which are so freaking good both of the creep movies but not creep which is a different movie yeah not that creep <laughs> but creep and creep too what's his name peach fuzz check them out if you like your horror movies so the premise of the film is that aubrey plaza's character she's working at like a local newspaper and she's been tasked with writing an investigative piece based on a classified ad that reads wanted somebody's go back in time with me this is not a joke po box 91 ocean view wa 99393 you'll get paid after we get back must bring your own weapons i've only done this once before safety not guaranteed said the name of the thing and the thing it did say the name of the thing and the thing so yeah the the ad it turns out the ad was placed by mark duplis's character and what unfolds is ugh, i was thinking back to it today and reading back about it and i think it's one of my favorite like indie movies of all time it's it's really quite offbeat given the cast and you would kind of expect right they they've sort of wrote aubrey plaza's role with aubrey plaza in mind so it's going to be offbeat so i Interestingly enough, when we watched this, because Graham and I do everything together, <laughs> I didn't know who they were. Oh, really? I, I hadn't watched The League yet. Yeah, I don't... hadn't really watched Aubrey... I, I knew who Aubrey Plaza was, but yeah. I didn't know her shtick kind of thing. So it was even more out of left field for me. Because I, I mainly wanted to go to the showing for the other film. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on yeah. to that. Um, yeah, I don't know if... Um, so The League was out. I don't know if I'd seen The League at this point or not. You knew who Mark Duplass was, because I remember you said I you liked so. it. I think so, yeah. And I definitely knew Aubrey Plaza, because I, I was a big Parks and Rec fan. Yeah. But yeah, it was just... And actually, I think that was what drew me to the film, first of all, and then saw the trailers, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was great. So I think it's also... It's, it's completely offbeat, but I think it's also really... Yeah, as, as the story progresses, it is kind of a really kind of heartwarming tale about, I guess belief in yourself not kind of tying yourself to the status quo and and all of that kind of stuff and whilst it is like so i think one thing that it does really quite well is that it, it keeps you guessing 
through the entirety of the movie whether Mark Duplass's character is in fact actually insane. You know, he he talks a lot about people being out to get him. He's adamant that he can t- travel through time, etc. Or is all of this based in reality? Can he do these things? Yeah. Are people out to get him? And time, time travel's real. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, I'm going forward in time. Yeah, we're recording this in 1937. <laughs> um, I don't know why I picked that year. I don't know. So yeah, and I think that the really good thing is that you genuinely. I don't think until the last scene of the movie you really know what is if it if he is crazy or if it's real or whatever and i'm not going to spoil it because you need to go watch this film so the movie is offbeat but the beats that it hits are pretty perfect and i think it just it is such a unique and interesting story and i think it's you know as i say is is quite kind of heartwarming and beautiful points as well so as Ian mentioned we saw this together um it was at a den of geek at the time screening organized by the fantastic simon brew who now runs film stories we've mentioned film stories before they ran an article on us with best british podcast of the week which was our first recognition we also found out recently that we got featured in the indie podcasts pod bible, pod bible in the magazine which was uh, completely unexpected but um very appreciated so we you know at least two publications have heard of us uh, which is nice but yeah it was um so it was a double bill the other film was called grabbers which is like an offbeat comedy horror set in ireland about extraterrestrials who get poisoned by booze get poisoned by booze yeah and so we watched this movie we watched both these movies in the company of both john landis and russell tovey yeah <laughs> and and john landis's wife and john landis's like wife is yeah. a massive deal with costume design yes yeah yeah so that obviously that was just a casual viewing experience we had um i think we were i remember running into russell toby in the bar after the after the movie and it was in some screening room in a soho hotel we just got very lucky and won won tickets rather than being you know invited actually no sorry we we were invited to these things um we've 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 been big big kind of deals in the movie industry in the uk for quite some time Hence how popular the podcast is. And now we're to our special guest, Russell Toby. <laughs> also, Safety Not Guaranteed is the only time I've ever won a competition. So really? I entered a, um, a Twitter competition when it came out. And yeah. it was it was literally just like a like and retweet kind of thing. But they picked my tweet out and I got a hat, which I think there's a picture of on our Instagram because I found it when I was clearing out the house. Yes, yes. And also a t-shirt as well. So I've got the hat. I've got the hat store don't know where the t-shirt is i won i won a guitar and tickets to see rock of ages once nice hopefully the show and not the film oh the show yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah look the film so the film is actually it was based off an actual ad that was posted in 1997 issue of backwards home but in that case it wasn't actually someone that was posting it it was like a filler ad posted by the editor guy called john silviera and he was credited in the movie as a time travel consultant it's got a yeah, up there with like dinosaur wrangler from uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, uh, it's got a ninety-one percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and yeah, really, I think more people need to see it. If you've got Amazon Prime, I think you can watch it there for two pound forty-nine rental. Absolutely, think it's worth the money, um, and then some. And really interestingly, I was I was doing a bit more reading into this, and there was a snippet. I think it was from the Wikipedia article, but essentially it says that um, Safety Not Guaranteed has been called one of the most influential films of the last decade in terms of its effects on the filmmaking industry. So made in 2010 with the first time director, writer and costing less than a million dollars to make, this character driven indie caught the eye of Netflix foreshadowing the role of streaming and film creation distribution and of such directors being tapped to direct big 
big budget films due to their experience with well-regarded small budget films. To be fair, his Jurassic World was very good. I like Jurassic World, yeah. yeah. I think it was very good. So yeah, like, it's, it's a great film in itself. It's clearly got good approval ratings. As I say, it's heralded as something that's very uh, influential. And it comes in at a perfect 86 minutes. And there's nothing... There's nothing feels rushed, nothing feels missed. It's a great, well-told, well-thought-out, well-paced, heartwarming movie. And I'd, until re-researching re it today, forgot how much I love it. So I'm definitely going to go and watch it fairly soon. And you should too. So like we said, so comedies regularly come in at under the 90-minute mark, including podcast favourite Airplane. Um, I was very close to going for Office Space, yep. but a podcast episode where I talk in detail about a film that is about hating your job <laughs> isn't a good look for me if colleagues listen to this podcast, <laughs> because Office Space was an interesting movie experience for me, because the first time I watched it, I hadn't worked in an office, Yeah, and then the second time, and it, it was all right, but like given it's held up to be like one of the comedy films, I just thought it was okay. I then worked in an office and watched it again, and it is genius, and it was speaking directly to me. <laughs> like, it's crazy how something can go from being one thing to another, depending what you've like been through. Yeah, I, I had the same like the the UK office as in the, yeah. the show. Like, it, yeah, it definitely was way before I ever worked in an office, and then yeah, it definitely you uh, you view it through a very different lens. But it's interesting. So my um, so my fiance is a performer. So all the musical theatre stuff. And a similar thing will happen with her. So she'll watch a comedy and find different things funny than I do. Like to the point where in some musicals and things like that, she could find something funny because it's a parody. And I didn't realise the song was a parody. Right. So it's like, well, that's obviously riffing on this. Uh, so uh, Book of Mormon is a good example. Book of Mormon had some songs in it which are direct rip-offs of other songs yeah and i just find them funny as themselves and she would find it funny because it's a parody on something but massive uh, sidetrack there so the film i'm going to be talking about is 88 minutes long so 88 minutes would get us from here to junction 17 of the m4 <laughs> so that's just about just after swindon and funny and hilarious anecdote it is where the tire on our car blew out when i was en route to my granddad's funeral because <laughs> That's what you want that to happen. It is also one minute longer than the... Are you ready to be depressed? Yeah. Yeah. It is one minute longer than the world best for the 30-kilometer track, which is held by Kenya's Moses Mosop, who ran 30 kilometers on a track in one hour, 26 minutes, and 47 seconds, which is roughly my 5K time. <laughs> so... Moses averaged two minutes fifty-four a kilometer for thirty kilometers. Yeah, that's that's obscene. So, like back back when I was running a lot more, let me rephrase that. Back when I was actually running, like that's what I would aim to get my five hundred meters in. Right. Okay. <laughs> five hundred meters in three minutes. Yeah. Means you're hitting a thirty-minute five k. Yeah. But I can't comprehend running a kilometer in two minutes 54 seconds let alone doing that 30 times in a row oh it's yeah it's it's it sounds the, the only word that comes to mind is painful yeah yeah it's fucking mental so i am talking about 2007's hot rod 
Hot Rod is the story of stuntman Rod Kimball and his heroic mission to save his stepdad's life so that he can beat him in a fight. And I love it. So the, the reason I went for this over other comedies is, like, I know I love this film because I remember where I was the first time I watched it. So funny enough, I watched this for the first time at a friend's house who lived near where you used to live. Oh, really? Yeah. And I think I, I got to his house and he said, you have to watch this film. I will watch it again. <laughs> and I think he'd either watched it, like, like we did with Psycho Gorman. Yeah. I, I think he'd either watched it the day before or literally that day and just had to watch it again. Nice. And I don't know why it stuck with me. I don't know if it's because it was kind of the first thing. It was like, the, it was like a new type of comedy. It was like the internet guys had finally been able to make a film. So I guess that's quite literally what happened. Yeah, for me, it felt very, like, I know it's not the same, but it felt very similar to, like, the Napoleon Dynamite kind of yeah, and, style. But, but even more, like, a, it, it took the absurdity to, like, a whole... Because Napoleon Dynamite had, like, a level of realism to it. Yeah. Which is, a, again, a weird thing to say, but you, you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Hot Rod, which I didn't realise, was originally written as a Will Ferrell film. Oh, interesting. And then when he backed out of it, Lorne Michaels, so the guy like the king of SNL, yeah. convinced Paramount to let The Lonely Island take over instead. So The Lonely Island had just released the chronic calls of Narnia. <laughs> which is Lazy Sunday? Yeah, Lazy Sunday. Yeah, Wake so they, up in the late afternoon. Yeah, so they just released Palm that. Owl just to see what he's doing. Yo, what up, Palm? Yo, Sandberg, what's happening? <laughs> he's just going to go through the whole thing like a beat poet. Um, I'll stop there. They just kind of gone viral, and it was kind of one of the first things like that to go viral. So it's still kind of like early YouTube days. Yeah. So it became massive. So the Lonely Island took over, and the cast for it is incredible. So it's got Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, who is massively underrated outside of the US. Yeah, Barry, watch Barry. Danny McBride, who is massively underrated outside of the US, watch Eastbound and Down. Oh, Eastbound yeah. and Down is so. Good. We just recommend HBO comedies. Basically. Uh, Isla Fisher, who is also incredible. Ian McShane, who's surprisingly very funny for a guy who I'm fairly sure is 90% cocaine. Uh, Will Arnett, who again, I don't think Will Arnett is fully appreciated. No. Will Arnett, I mean, I think outside of his real, like, it's like uh, Arrested Development and then not much else. And Bojack Horseman. yeah, yeah, very true. I never. I, I need to get back into it. I watched the beginning of BoJack Horseman, and then... Bo, BoJack Horseman's got one of my favourite episodes of TV in that came out of nowhere, which I, given it's a comedy, I sat in silence and watched it. There was an episode they did entirely in silence. It's like when he's, un, he's going to a premiere under the sea. Right. And it's, bas- it's just done like a silent movie because the speaker on his helmet isn't working. Okay. And it's just, I just sat there. It's like, this is, this is like, it happens occasionally with TV shows. So the Ozymandias episode of Breaking Bad yeah. was one of them where you're watching it and you haven't finished it, but you know you're watching one of the best things that's ever been on TV. Yeah, yeah. I know and it's like, mean. and you're very rarely are you realizing that in the moment when you've watched it. Usually it's a hindsight thing. Yeah, but I had that with that show. I was like, "Yeah, this is actually something, something special." <laughs> um, so it was directed by a guy called Akiva Schaefer in his first film. All he directed before this was the music video for "I Want You So Hard," Excellent. the Eagles of Death Metal song. Great song, by the way. And it was also written by this woman called Pam Brady. So she wrote the Will Ferrell version, right? And then Lonely Island basically had to rewrite it all because apparently all of the Will Ferrell stuff was like really well written. So they just had to dumb it down to their level. Can I, can I just check one thing? 
Not related. Okay, good. But Pam Brady <laughs> is famously one of my most referenced things from South Park. Right. So she was one of the. She is the person apparently who gave Trey Parker and Matt Stone the idea to do a TV series. Oh, amazing! She said they should do a Cannibal the Musical TV series, and yeah. then they they obviously went on to do South Park. Do you know who she is in South Park? Uh, she appears as herself in live action. No. She is Mr. Adler's fiance in the Tweak vs. Craig episode. Excellent. So Mr. Adler was a woodshop owner who. <laughs> wife died in a plane crash and he keeps thinking about it and that woman is her oh, fuck i love that bit yeah 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 it's all for you richard <laughs> but also i so i've just I, I hadn't heard of her before i i just googled her mainly because i wanted to make sure she wasn't related to tom yeah, brady that's also co-wrote team america mm-hmm. and co-creator of lady dynamite as well yeah so i actually have a i've replaced it now with a ted lasso wallpaper but i made a it's all for you richard wallpaper nice but my phone which i will i will put on uh, i'll put on our instagram for all of those who want it even though i know two people who know the reference <laughs> uh, my one of my most quoted south park lines she wrote hot rod sandberg apparently described his performance in it as bad but you know it's bad <laughs> there's a lot said about it how this is the nerdy generation and it's internet driven so the comedies that influence me has always been from the Three Stooges through Steve Martin in The Jerk and Ace Ventura and Chris Farley and Billy Madison. They were village idiots. That's definitely the tradition we're trying to follow. And I think they kind of nailed that because Rod is a moron. Yep. It, it follows like an interesting line. Like you're never, you're, you're never quite sure whether you're ever really on his side. It's very difficult to do that and it not get grating. But it's just so weird. And I think that perfectly lines up with my sense of humor. So you never have any idea what's about to happen because everything is so left field, like the whole Cool Beans thing. Yeah. And other kind of great moments, it introduced me to the song You're the Voice by John Farnham. You're the voice, try and understand it. Make a noise and make it clear. Whoa. You're not going to join in? That's that. Whoa. <laughs> and then we riot. Um, <laughs> but I quote the film all the time as well, like to the point I think I've forgotten that I'm quoting Hot Rod. I will constantly use the phrase, my name is Ian, and uh, I like to party. <laughs> and uh, when Will Arnett is just shouting babe after Isla Fisher when she leaves the car, <laughs> it's, I, I, I always shout that to my partner and I don't think either she hasn't seen Hot Rod or she didn't like it. So, or, or she doesn't like you. All that. <laughs> um, and the dance the guy does when he's distributing flyers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just full of like these crazy scenes that you just keep thinking about and laughing so like andy sandberg falling down a hill for a solid minute yeah so an 88th of this film (laughs) is andy sandberg rolling down a hill i just fucking love it and like i said it it could have it could have come down to a couple of other films so like i was close to going for i think the first two naked guns come under 90 minutes right there's a lot of things i remember from that so like naked guns got the incredible line of my wife died in a blimp accident (laughs) do you remember the response no i don't good year (laughs) no the worst (laughs) and like there are loads of lines from naked gun i could remember but i don't really remember watching it or no you know it's just something that's always kind of been there but with hot rod i remember specifically where i was 
and it was a proper kind of like oh this is what we're doing now yeah yeah and i'm with <laughs> cool beans our target of getting this in under 90 has gone out the window yeah that's not happening is it no, it's we you know we can play it ironically so my second choice and this was <laughs> this was not planned but it has turned out this way my first film safety not guaranteed came in 86 minutes long my second film come in at 85 minutes long nice. no prizes for guessing how long my third film is oh really yeah <laughs> i would describe this movie as flight of the concords with vampires without brett mckenzie and guitars i'm of course talking about what we do in the shadows the wonderfully produced and directed film by taika watiti and jermaine clement came out in 2014 uh you can watch it on amazon prime and can i have a, can I have a brief moment because I knew you were doing this, yes, it took Boy off the table. So Boy is another Taika Waititi film Boy that is, is amazing. under 90 minutes long. Yeah. And I was very close to picking that as well, but I didn't want us to do two Taika Waititi <laughs> films in one go. I mean, I'd have been okay with it. Oh, so would have I. Boy, Boy is really underrated. It's, it, it's feels more, it feels more Taika Waititi than Eagle vs. Shark did. Yeah. It, 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 but that, I think you, that, it's the perfect bridge between Eagle vs. Yeah. Shark and then yeah, yeah. what we got with what, where Taika Waititi is now. And Boy feels like the kind of the transition between yeah. the two. Eagle vs. Shark was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't cycle with dt now yeah but yeah so obviously i'm talking about what we do in the shadows follows a group of new zealand-based vampires who live together in what can only be described as an undead house share and their familiars who are essentially their human companions who are striving to become undead themselves it's just a very very funny movie as you would expect given the cast and its directors it's extremely dry it's got some really good lines i mean we we only spoke about this last week in passing because we were talking about vampires in general Two of the best lines, again, I'll reiterate. Why, why do vampires only drink the blood of virgins? Well, put it this way. If someone offered you a sandwich, would you want them to have fucked it beforehand? And <laughs> then obviously the restarby moment with all of the werewolves and they're kind of getting a bit amped up. They're swearing and he's like, no, no, come on, guys. Come on, guys. What are we? We're werewolves. We're not swearwolves. Have they, are, are they still doing the spinoff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll come It's produced a lot of spinoffs, actually. I'll come on to that. Speaking of swearwolves, um, the Reese Darby cameo is fantastic. However, I'm going to put it to you that it's not his best cameo in a Taika Waititi movie, and that definitely Ooh. falls to Hunt for the Wilder People. What was his name in it? Oh, I can't remember. But he's that that character is just hilarious. So he plays like a, a guy that's basically gone out to live in the woods and is a survivalist, um, but not a particularly good one. Psycho Sam. Psycho Sam. Excellent. Um, God, I love Hope for the World of People. Ah, uh, such a good film. That was another twice in a weekend film. Oh, really? I, I, I watched it on, I think, the train going down to see my parents, and then I watched it there. Sam Neill's very good in it. Like, he's obviously not typically a comic actor, but he plays, like, obviously, he's playing a quite yeah. a straight role anyway. And obviously, the kid that's in uh, Deadpool 2. Uh, it's another, another great line. It's like, oh, they, yeah, they say, you're, uh, they say you're Caucasian. Which is obviously wrong because you're obviously white. <laughs> <laughs> but just to run through some of the cast and the vampires, so Taika Waititi as Viago von Dornisch Martin Schedden Heimberg. He's aged 379 years old. He's the uptight member of the household. And fun fact, Waititi based his performance on his own mother. Who <laughs> <laughs> was a vampire? <laughs> Perhaps it doesn't say. I'm guessing more the uptight side than the vampire, but who's to know? You've got Jermaine Clement as Vladislav the Poker. 
which is obviously a, a, a take on Vlad the Impaler. Um, he's aged 862. He's a former tyrant with extreme powers. And Jermaine Clement based his performance on Gary Oldman's Dracula. Huh. Jonathan Brew, 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 as Deacon Bruck. He's 183 years old. He's the young rebel of the group is fond of knitting erotic dancing and being cool and then ben francham as pet peter peter petra he's aged eight thousand years old he's basically like nosferatu uh, he lives on the bottom floor of the flat in a stone coffin and generally keeps himself to himself it's it's just a very very funny film obviously it's like the mockumentary style which has been i guess at this point in 2014 i don't know if have been done to death necessary but there's been a lot of them obviously you've had like the success of the u.s office yeah. and all things like that but and and the best garth Rungo's dark place dark Rungo's place is, is fantastic but this felt uh it, it didn't feel like it was uh you know it was another mockumentary it was it was definitely very funny and it was its own thing and as mentioned it spawned a lot of a lot of spin-offs actually so you've got the tv series following matt berry natasia dimitriou who is a fantastic comedy actress. I don't know if you've watched it yet, but I've banged on about it loads. The Statelet's Flats. I haven't yet, no. Um, she's in that and it is... So you know how you've recently started watching People Just Do Nothing? Yes. It's it's on that level. I, 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 I just, love it I, I've so much. I've just started watching a lot. To be fair. <laughs> I've suddenly opened the door to a load of things. Like, uh, yeah, King Gary. Yeah. I started today. What I haven't got around to yet, which uh, is it Man Like Moe Bean? That's on the list. Yes. I, can't, I, can't, I can't keep watching just a constant cycle of Parks and Rec, and then when I finish that, Always Sunny, then when I finish that, South Park, then when I finish that, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, then when I finish that, back to Parks and Rec. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same cycle with the US office, Parks and Rec, and It's Always Sunny. That's my sort of trifecta. Oh, and Scrubs as well, thrown into there. Yeah, right now we're doing a lot of stand-ups, because I, 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 we would usually put episodes of stuff on to sleep as well. Yeah. But the internet in your spare room is terrible. So we, <laughs> we've got what uh, whatever we have available on a memory stick that's plugged into the TV. Excellent. Which was also 100% designed as a, a memory stick of films my partner would never watch. <laughs> which sounds like I'm talking about porn, but I'm actually talking about horror films. So there's like some distinctly fucked up stuff on there. I like the idea of you two just going... <laughs> We're going to sleep and we're just going to chuck Cannibal Holocaust on. Yeah, just Cannibal, you know. <laughs> they actually chopped that monkey's face off. Yeah. Um, they did. It's very horrific. Well, no, no, um, yeah, no, nothing like my, makes my partner fall asleep like me <laughs> reciting movie trivia. <laughs> Fair point. Well, they actually had to bring some of the actresses into court so the director could prove that he hadn't... Sorry, you're falling, you're falling asleep again. Um, sorry, that was, that was me. Doing a voice <laughs> of you. while Im- doing an impression of myself. <laughs> it says says a lot about how you view yourself here. Uh. And that's okay. So, yes. Uh, so, massive tangent from talking about Nassasia Dimitri. But, yeah, if you haven't seen Estate Flats, Flats, watch it. And you'll particularly like it, having dealt with lots of estate agents recently. Oh, is it with her brother? Yeah. yeah. Who is also very, very funny. And then, obviously, you've got, back to um, what we're doing the Shadows TV series, you've got Kevin Novak as well, who is just, you know, obviously did all the Face Jacker stuff, Phone Jacker. He's in never Four Lions. Never watched it. You've never watched Face Jacker no. or Phone Jacker? No. Oh, you... Something else you should watch. It's very, very funny. I think it was too popular. I made the conscious decision right. not to watch it. In. Oh, okay. All the people I didn't like at school watched it. <laughs> so I decided I didn't like it. 
Uh, well, you're missing out because it's very funny. So I think that's going into its third season. Um, they've got Wellington Paranormal that's come out, which apparently is also sort of what we do in the shadows adjacent. I don't know if we've had a UK release yet or not, or it may have just come out, but it's been held in very high regard in in, uh, in New Zealand, also in the US. And then, as you mentioned, there's the, I guess, spiritual sequel to the movie coming out, which is called Werewolves. Which, which is the best, the best named thing ever. It's fantastic. It's got a 96% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. There is a nice bit of trivia here. The hill where the vampires have a run-in with the werewolves is the same hill that... Oh, and this ties back nicely to the beginning of the episode. Same uh, hill filmed in The Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, where Frodo and the Hobbits hide under the roots from the uh, uh, ring wraith. Interesting, but also it's filmed in New Zealand, so I think that's... They've only got we, one. They've only got one hill in New we, Zealand. We can we can only assume. <laughs> <laughs> Everything aside, right? It's a fantastic film. It's hilarious. It's so good. I don't think anyone can deny that. But one of the most impressive things about this movie being a sub ninety minute movie, and why Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder can never like complain about like oh we had so much footage and we couldn't do a very good film because it was hard to edit it all down. That that was a very good impression of someone, <laughs> and I can't place it. it. Wasn't a very good impression of Zack Snyder. I was I was just, I was um, faceless Warner Brothers executive. Yeah, that's who it was. They shot 125 hours worth of material Jesus for what Christ. we do in the shadows. Yes, it took a year to edit it down, but they got it down to a movie that is 85 minutes long and is better than the Justice League. And I've not seen the Justice League, but fuck you, what we do in the shadows is better. And they had a shit ton of material. Also, a lot of it improvised as well. So yeah, fuck you, Warner Brothers. But yeah, not a lot else more to say, really. It's a great movie. Need to watch it again, actually. Which is a recurring theme with all of these that I've mentioned today. My first, my second choice, rather, is 81 minutes long. So 81 minutes was the gold medal time for the 20-kilometer walk at this year's Olympics, done by oh. Italian Massino Tano. My best ever 10-kilometer time was 56 minutes, so 20 minutes longer than that, and he did an extra 10 kilometers. So <laughs> another type of film. So you kind of touched on this. Uh, at the beginning so another type of film that regularly comes in under 90 minutes are animated films yeah so you've got your my neighbor Totoro's, you've got your toy stories your empress new grooves your iron giants your lilos and stitches <laughs> your tarzans your the nightmare before christmas which is only like an hour and 10 minutes long you know you, i feel like i'm in a nondescript Weatherspoons on a Sunday afternoon if you've just rocked up with a briefcase full of DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> your corpse brides. Uh, your Mulans. Not... <laughs> your Beauty and the Beasts. Your Little Mermaids. Uh, so I remember way back when... Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent. Before... Our, po- our, our podcast is tangents. <laughs> before, um, before, like, obviously torrenting or pirate DVDs or anything was a thing, I think my nan's friend used to get, like, pirate VHSs. And my nan was like completely like against it, like never did. But for whatever reason, she bought the Jungle Book for me on a pirate VHS. And it, the quality was, it was so shit. But I still watched it over and over and over. But I just remember her like every time we put it in, like she was like convinced the police were going to turn <laughs> up. Like she was like, oh yeah, but we shouldn't really, be, like I bought this, but we shouldn't really be watching it. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just just hilarious. Yeah, so my 
my granddad used to a guy down the pub would just give him a memory stick full of films every couple of weeks (laughs) i think my dad bought him yeah something that plugged into the tv and he would watch that piracy's wrong um so yeah so that's that's a lot i've just listed a lot of very good animated movies so what animated film do i see as being superior to the majority of these well all of these that i've listed that's right the Oscar-nominated and Guinness World Record-holding South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which is also quite up there with in terms of best-named films. Yeah. Because not many films boast a dick joke as their title. No, and my favourite title in a uh, joke in a title from South Park is the uh, the fractured butthole. Yes, because they um, it, it was kind of similar to South Park was their uh, the movie their original title wouldn't get cleared. Yeah. by censors so arguably they came up with a better one so apparently the reason this movie is a musical and so insanely over the top is because trey parker and matt stone assumed the series was going to be cancelled before the movie was released <laughs> so this was released just after season three and they just got renewed for 14 movies and up to season 30 in some crazy mega deal worth $900 million. And we've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning. So Trey Parker and Matt Stone are very clever people. Oh, yeah. And they've made a fuck ton of money from South Park. And the main reason they have is because in 2007, they negotiated an ad-sharing deal with Viacom, who owned Comedy Central at the time, that gave them 50% of all digital revenue. Because at the time, that was like pennies. So, for example, HBO spent $550 million to stream South Park in the US. Trey and Matt got half of that. They would have got half of the $900 million. The rights are due again for worldwide streaming releases. They're going to get another payday. So they're, they're the sole owners of a billion-dollar company because of basically this one contractual clause they negotiated it's good to have a it's yeah that kind of that level of foresight i I, it's there's a um famous bowie interview where he's been interviewed by jeremy paxman about the internet i don't know if you've seen it it does the rounds quite frequently and he talks about it in the context of like this is going to change the world it's not just like new communication like this is cult is going to be a cultural shift blah 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 and jerry paxman's being a jerry paxman and like saying oh isn't it just it's just computers and do you know what i mean it's like that similar level of foresight like they clearly knew the direction that entertainment was going and they cashed in at the right time yeah but it's also like blockbuster laughing netflix out of the room yeah when netflix which again people forget netflix were asking to be bought yeah yeah yeah. like it's it's insane like i said so south park the movie is a guinness world record holder for the most profanity used in an animated film the book cited a total of 399 swear words including 146 uses of the word fuck along with 199 offensive gestures and 221 acts of violence the reason it has 399 swear words is if it hit 400 it would automatically have been an nc-17 <laughs> so the only way they wanted to make this film was if it was r-rated and they finally got an R rating two weeks before it was due to be released. And again, like for how meta these guys are, which now I've said that out loud is probably why I love South Park so much. It's a film about censorship and how people care more about swearing than violence. And they kept getting NC-17 ratings because of swearing and not the violence. 
Uh, it's a film where America goes to war with Canada and thousands of people die. Yeah. And that's they were saying like that's fine. Like watching soldiers dying is all right, but seeing someone say fuck is too far. Yeah. It, also, like that, w- when you put it in the context of like three hundred ninety nine is fine for R rated, four hundred is then it that, yeah. that cross like it's it becomes such an arbitrary thing. It's so if, so stupid. If someone was to hear one more fuck, but yeah. But speak, speaking of arbitrary, so the they they dropped a cunt in there as well. And the main reason they did that was they wanted to be an 18 in other areas. Okay, I didn't realise Mel Gibson was in it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But before they, um, what they didn't realise was laws in the UK changed. So you can now say cunt and still get a 15, depending on the context of the cunt. So (laughs) they say cunt in Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. Do any of you cunts want a drink? Yeah. And it wasn't deemed as like aggressive swear word kind of thing it was deemed as like a colloquial term so it got a 15 like in the way that everyone in australia and new zealand call each other cunts as if that's yeah. like all right you cunt yeah exa- exactly exactly <laughs> so it only got a 15 in the uk and apparently they were heartbroken about it do you know the urban legend around south park the movie apparently it boosted sales for wild wild west but uh, okay what so people were buying tickets to see Wild yeah, west and, and then sneaking, sneaking into, into south park nice which again is also a point in the film like yeah, the the whole the, the kids at the beginning, yeah, yeah, yeah. But given given this film is only eighty one minutes long, they fit in fourteen songs, and all of the songs in the film are incredible. So Mountain Town, yeah, Uncle Fucker, which uh, again, so this is the point of I always found Uncle Fucker funny. My partner finds it funny as well because it is a riff on Oklahoma. Okay, and I didn't know that. So them spelling out. Uncle Fucker at the end is a direct Oklahoma joke. That Wendy's song, It's Easy MK. You don't have to spend your life addicted to crack. Homeless on the street giving handjobs for crack. Blame Canada, which is was Oscar nominated, but lost out to Do you know what it lost out to? Well, oh. So I can give you a clue. What year was this? So it was 1990, 1999. So it lost out in the beginning of season four of South Park. They take the piss out of this guy in the first two episodes. And in one of those episodes, they have the actual character, and he's holding an Oscar the whole time. I, my memory is not as good as yours. Okay, so, Trey Parker admits they expected to lose and not win an Oscar. What they didn't expect to lose to was Phil Collins. <laughs> so, um, uh, yes. y- you'll be in my heart from Tarzan. Right. Okay. Because uh, the beginning of season four of South Park, You've got Timmy and the Lords of the Underworld. Yeah. And Phil Collins is basically trying to cancel them. And uh, you've got him constantly like, You'll be in me! <laughs> but You'll Be you'll be In My Heart isn't even the best song from Tarzan. No, it's Son of Man, obviously. Yeah. And Blame Canada isn't the best song in South Park. I think up there, Satan's Song, which is the only song which doesn't involve swearing, yeah. is fucking outstanding. Up there, what there's so much room. Babies burp and the flowers bloom. Yeah. Uh, Cars Mum's a Bitch. What would Brian Bytanon do? Which I find really funny because they didn't ask for Brian Bytano's permission. (laughs) Brian Bytano then did a a charity t-shirt saying what would Brian Bytano do? And he had to ask them for permission. Amazing. I'm super great as well. Yeah. La Resistance, I Can Change, (laughs) The Moles Reprise. And Hell Isn't Good, which they admitted in 2009, James Hetfield from Metallica did the vocals for. 
Nice. Yeah, so the the actual CD soundtrack has also has a version of Uncle Fucker, which is done by Rush. Okay. Or um, Geddy Lee and someone else from Rush, because I think the drummer was having issues at the time. Right. But it was the only thing they released for like a six-year period was this song. But it's just fucking amazing, isn't it? Really. And it wasn't their first musical. So their first was Cannibal the Musical from 1993, which they made while studying at the University of Colorado Boulder. And I'm fairly sure the University of Colorado Boulder is like the Thames Valley to the University of Colorado. <laughs> it's like, I went to university in Oxford. It's like, you went to Oxford? I went to university in Oxford. <laughs> but I went to Oxford, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it's... The songs are legitimately good. Like, they're not just piss takes and it's not just an excuse to swear. They are legitimately great songs. So it was written by Trey Parker and a guy called Mark Shaman or Shyman. I'm going to say Shaman because it sounds cool. Yeah. Both of them are an Oscar away from an EGOT, which I still find fucking insane that Trey Parker's nearly got an EGOT. Yeah. And Mark Shaman is most famous, most famously known because he wrote the music and co-wrote Hairspray. Okay. So there's a there is some there's, music, there's, there's some musical clout going uh going into the film. But I watched it again today and it is so funny and it is so kind of I don't think they get uh if you can hear that in the background, it is Graham's cat playing with Lego. <laughs> but yeah, so Trey Parker and Matt Stone, I don't think get the credit for being as clever as they are. So like Terence and Philip, do you know the story behind Terence and Philip? No. An early review of South Park said it was nothing but bad animation and fart jokes. Right, okay. So they went, no, 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 no. This is nothing but bad animation and fart jokes. But I, th- I, but I, I think that's why, like, if you, like you say, they don't necessarily get the credit. But I think that's, that is why, because there's a perception of what yeah. it is. And unless you are, unless you watch it a lot. Because one, one of the things I really enjoy about South Park, particularly, is when, like, there's big zeitgeisty talking points that are going on in the world and then you know a South Park episode's coming out in yeah. next week and what is their take the, the, gonna the be tur- on it? The turnaround was Oh, insane. So they they once couldn't release an episode one week because they'd had a power cut and yeah. that didn't leave enough time to release the episode. I mean, we, and I say we, you do all of the editing, but we struggle to turn this around in a week and it's just us talking shit, doing a little bit of research, I mean, lots of really intensive research and obviously you're you're editing. But the idea of putting together like a best, like one of the most watched uh, animated shows in history in the space of a week. That's the thing. And we're only doing an episode a week. Yeah. While they were writing South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut, they were also writing season two of South Park. Yeah. Apparently, they they so they did a ten year anniversary DVD uh, Blu-ray of the uh, South Park um, the movie. And on the commentary, he says he can't remember a lot of making it because they were so. If they weren't working on the film, they were working on the TV show. And if they weren't working on the TV show, they were asleep. Fair enough. So he said, like he doesn't remember a lot of it because of how <laughs> slammed they were. Do you know one of my favorite things from early South Park was so I. I remember somehow convincing my mum to buy the VHSs of like season one when I would have been in primary school still. Um, I, I had seasons two, three, and four in VHS. And one of the things, I don't know if you remember them, but the live action um, transitions between the episodes. The, uh, the early um, season one and two, I think. Yeah. 
They were so good. Like they they would always have my favorite joke on those was they would always have a dog with them, It'd yeah, be a different dog every time, and they would never reference never it. Never, yeah, yeah. I seem to remember them dressed up as cowboys quite a lot as well yeah. during it. But yeah, the same with the uh, the Christmas uh, Mr. Hankey's Christmas classics. Yeah, it's like fighting the frizzies at eleven. <laughs> but another great song on South Park the movie is the credits song, which is called Eyes of a Child. And it is just a perfect parody of like the ballads you get over movie credits, and I don't think it gets the attention it deserves. I like I did like the theory of us trying to do this episode in less than ninety minutes, but I'm about to ask you a question which is going to balloon it to at least three hours long. Uh, what's your top three episodes of South Park, Graham? Oh, I'll uh... rephrase. What are your top three episodes of South Park today? <laughs> So definitely the World of Warcraft episode. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Scott Tenor must die. Yeah. Um, <sighs> so while you're thinking, uh, I am a big fan of Not Without My Anus, which is the season premiere of season two. It was done in an April Fool's joke because season one ended on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And see, the Not Without My Anus is just Terence and Philip trying to save I think Terence's daughter from Saddam Hussein who's taken over Canada <laughs> and like my most quoted things from South Park are again it's all for you Richard and that episode like um, yeah, you told me your name was Handsome Bob <laughs> uh, it's the episode that starts off in a courtroom and it's like Terence you are you are you have been tried for the murder of Jeffrey O'Dwyer. We have found your hair samples, this claw hammer, and this haiku you have written called Time to Kill Dr. Jeffrey O'Dwyer. <laughs> yeah, it, it is great. It's the monkey claw, Philip. I'd also probably add in, I really like the, the Chim Pokemon episode, I think is great. Yeah, yeah. And also, even though you asked for three, here's a fourth, uh, Sexual Harassment Panda, just for the little jingle that went along oh, with it. Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't be silly, says the silly bear. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the, the problem with South Park is my three favourite episodes are always the last ones we've talked about. Yeah. But the um, Good Times with Weapons, where yeah. The, yeah, they've got Let's Fighting Love, which is the piss take of like the broken English anime theme tunes. Yeah. The whole Imagination Land stuff. So apparently Imagination Land was, they were contemplating it doing as like a sequel. It was that might have been the next South Park movie, okay. but they released it as a three-part TV show instead. But it's just God, I fucking love South Park, and like I, I know it's, I know it's not as good now as it was, but I do, I'm very interested in how they're, because they're constantly evolving the show because they've realised that if they just kept trying to do the same old thing, yeah, it would be, you can't keep making that. So that in trying to kind of constantly evolve and reinvent the show it is keeping it more relevant and i think that is the only way to keep the show going yeah because it's it's done what the simpsons family guy etc haven't done like yeah. in all of them the quality is not as good as it was originally but south park is at least switching it up a bit again so south again, again south park perfectly nailed it is that fa family guy feels like it's written by manatees <laughs> because it does it, it, it's you get i think we've talked we use this comparison before but you sometimes get it with bands where 
it feels like they're trying to record an album that band would record. Oh, what you mean, like every film that uh, yeah. he's done as well? Like the Ted could be an episode of Family Guy if you just yeah. replace the characters. Yeah, exactly. But fa- Family Guy feels like they're trying to make a Family Guy. Yeah. Show. New episodes of South Park don't feel like that. They feel like it's still very clearly Trey Parker and Matt Stone doing what they want to do in the moment. And I, I just find that very, very interesting. But yeah, my second choice, South Park, Big Along for Uncut. It's just fucking great. And so over to you for your final choice. Thanks, sir. Final choice. My final choice. So as I mentioned, we went from 86 minutes, 85 minutes. Drum roll, please. Yes, this, this third film is 84 minutes long. Didn't plan it like this, but what a wonderful way things work out, eh? So the film that I want to talk about is a film that came out, another film that came out in 2012, and it it's one of these films, and actually looking into it, I must be wrong here, but it's one of those films that I'm kind of convinced I'm either the only person that's seen it or it's a movie I made up in my head and doesn't actually exist, and I go to talk to people about it, and they're like, sorry, what? And that film is um, Chronicle, as I say, from 2012. Saying all of that, it actually finished... So it came out Super Bowl weekend in the US. It finished that opening weekend as the top US film, grossing $22 million. It surpassed The Woman in Black, The Grey, which made $21 million and $9.5 million respectively. And it was the fourth highest grossing film to debut over a Super Bowl weekend. Um, oh, wow. But I was really convinced that no one's seen it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm guessing to talk in sweeping assumptions and stereotypes the primary audience of you named the film chronicle yes uh, i no, i will i i couldn't remember if you'd actually <laughs> named it yes. and i was going to blow the reveal yeah, um, yeah the primary audience of chronicle aren't necessarily people who watch the super bowl no this is this is also true right. yeah the fast fast and furious nine a lot of crossover <laughs> i think but yeah i mean maybe i don't know i mean you've you've seen chronicle i have yeah i have it's very, very good. Do you, but do you get the same? Like, do you think a lot of people have seen it, or am I just am I making? So it? I, I, I think I think the the problem with Chronicle is a lot of people have I think forgotten about it. Yeah. And what doesn't help is the director had like a very well publicized mental breakdown. <laughs> yes. Are we are we coming on to that, or are we going to? Come no, I, I I was keeping it light and breezy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he burnt. He completely burnt his bridges. Yeah. So I think because people aren't talking about him anymore, people aren't necessarily talking about Chronicle anymore. Yeah. Which is a shame because I could, who was the third person in it? Well, you know who I can remember. The the guy that looks ill and Michael B. Jordan. Yes. <laughs> Dane, Dane, Le, Dane, Le, I always pronounce it as Dane Lehane. <laughs> Dane but that's definitely not his name. Lehane. It'll be like Dane Lahan. Yeah. Who was like lined, he that's another one where I'm interested in what happened there because he was lined up to be like the next big thing. Yeah, so he was in um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, wasn't he? Yeah, um, he was in Lawless. Yeah, and that Valerian film that comes oh, out. Oh, there we go. That's answered time. the question of what happened there. He made Valerian City of the <laughs> So the other person is Alex Russell, who has... Uh, so apparently is um, portrays Jim Street in the crime action drama reboot SWAT. Oh. Since 2017. Since twenty, that show's been going since twenty seventeen. Yep, twenty seventeen to present. I saw it pop up on. So as we as we have previously mentioned, I now live with Graham. <laughs> um, when I didn't live here, we we'd properly cut the cord, 
So we just watched... <laughs> As in Ian didn't have a TV like subscription, not me and Ian <laughs> cut the cord yeah. between us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, we, it sounds like I let you out into the wild. Yeah. And now we now I've retied on. <laughs> but no, so we were... we Yeah, we'd cut the cord. So we, we only really watched Netflix and Prime. We didn't watch live TV. We didn't watch Sky or anything like that. When I saw SWAT pop up on your TV, I honestly thought it came out this week. Like, the way Sky had been advertising it as well, I honestly thought it was brand new. Let alone being... Uh, br- not, not just brand new, but brand new and would obviously be cancelled after a season. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently it's a good four years in. But yeah, and also... I, so I, I completely forgot Michael B. Jordan was in it until, again, researching it again today. So it came out really... The height of the, I guess, the superhero renaissance, which is what I'm calling it. Um, I don't know if anyone else has called it that. So other superhero films to come it's out. It's my thing, guys. The phrase <laughs> superhero renaissance is my thing. Yeah, I'm going to get t-shirts made. So other superhero films to come out in 2012, which maybe is why this, you know, got a bit buried. Uh, the Avengers, Dark Knight Rises, Amazing Spider-Man. So yeah, maybe it didn't get as many eyeballs on it as it possibly could have. Amazing Spider-Man doesn't get the respect it deserves. No, I think the problem is is the Amazing Spider-Man is tarred with the Amazing Spider-Man two brush. It also yeah, it, it I, I could talk at length about what I don't like about it because it personifies perfectly what I don't like about filmmaking. Amazing Spider-Man was very good, but it had one eye on the franchise. Yeah. So they kept doing things where like they would push a box onto the table and just kind of go, see that. Just so we know you've seen it, right? <laughs> See it. Now, I'm not going to show you what's in it, but look, keep an eye on it. Look at the box. And now we're back to the action. Put the box. Remember the box. What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. What's in the box? So, yeah, I mean, so it's it's a superhero film, but it's a unique spin on the genre. It's just a, Essentially, it's a found footage superhero movie, but it was done really well. And found footage, we've spoken about a number of times before, it, it can be tough at some points, especially when a movie is trying to be a found footage movie rather than a X movie that happens to be found footage. And in this case, this is a superhero yeah. movie that happens to be a found footage movie. It's not a found footage genre. But yeah, it's done really well. And I think... Hey, Mia. Um, That's uh, Graham's cat, Mia. <laughs> I felt very Tommy Wiseau there. Hey, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> it's... The way it was used, right? So obviously there's three teenagers in school. They get superpowers and they're filming it. And I think that's exactly what three teenagers who gain yeah. superpowers in 2012 would be doing, right? You're kind of peak YouTube. Like that's what would be happening. You're going to get there. You're going to get your million views. You're going to monetize your YouTube channel whilst you're being a super badass but it also doesn't um it gives you a good excuse to actually have interesting camera angles yeah this is very true <laughs> yeah. and some of them are really quite cool especially with like the flying and stuff yeah but it's not just it also cuts like security cameras and stuff around them right yeah yeah i think it also really quite neatly plays out like the superhero origin to super villain kind of arc really quite well um, especially in a restricted runtime, and again, I think like given their ages, given the events in the film, it kind of makes sense that they fall down these paths. It doesn't really feel like forced. It was made for a pretty modest twelve million dollars, which initially I thought, oh, that kind of makes sense because it's a found footage films. So those kind of films typically get made on the cheap, but 
it wasn't like a paranormal activity found footage yeah. and they used actual handheld camera stuff. It was filmed properly and then made to look like yeah. found footage. But, you know, even given that, you mentioned like the camera angle stuff, they had a really modest budget, but they did a lot of really cool work with like fighting, special effects and everything. And yeah, it just, I think it still holds up even now. I think I watched, I need to rewatch it. I think the last time I watched it was on a plane, which probably doesn't do it justice. Yeah, I, I don't think I've watched it since uni. No, wouldn't be uni because it came out after uni. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've watched it since about the time I left uni. <laughs> um, the other thing, yeah, as I mentioned before, like it, they do found footage without it feeling like it has to be a found footage film. It's like that's not all they're trying to do. It's a, it's a part of the storytelling device. It lines up with you know the story of the characters. It's not a, it's not a trope that's being forced upon us. And I think it's just like this really interesting take on the reality of the approach that teenagers would take to finding out they're superpowered. Like, and the reason I say this is it's at the same time Amazing Spider-Man came out and that is a franchise where essentially a young kid, you know, teenage kid, probably the youngest like mainstream superhero around who gets superpowers and he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's saving New York City. Yeah, yes, he has a few emo phases. We've all seen Spider-Man 3. But he's largely like written as emotionally mature enough to deal with all of this on his shoulders, whereas... Well, with, with great power, right, <laughs> comes Spider-Powers. Spider-Powers. The Chronicle is a much more, I guess... I don't know if realistic is the right term because it's teenagers' yeah. superpowers, but it's a much more sort of gritty, more grounded look uh, what might happen if kids were suddenly imbued with telekinetic abilities and the ability to fly. And again, all of this still fits into its runtime without ever feeling rushed. Yeah, it's just a really interesting take on the genre. And given the amount of superhero films we've had over the last decade and a half, there's not been a huge amount that deviates from the typical beats. Like, And that's not to say that I have an issue with marvel and what they've done obviously the cinematic universe that they've created is amazing i will speak less about dc but there are some good dc films out there but given how popular the genre is nothing there hasn't been another chronicle in the last 10 years or so yeah i mean like like the closest i can think of in the chronicle vibe would be brightburn and that was awful yeah the less i guess the less said about that better well not not awful but you it was a proper film that was murdered by its own marketing because you knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. And it, yeah. Although, saying all of this, literally this month, there's been an announcement they're doing a female led sequel to Chronicle. I don't think any of the original cast or crew or writers, et cetera, are necessarily involved. But um... uh, A female led sequel starring Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it's due to come out, but that's been announced. Um, and I think, again, talking of the director and stuff, there was a lot of they never wanted a sequel to happen. So um be interesting to see to see what goes on there. Not as highly rated as the other two movies on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got an 85%, but still very, very strong. Yeah, really, really good film. And really, as I say, just I like films that are unique. I like films that are doing something a little bit different. And it feels like this really um yeah, really hits those those kind of points and does it in a in a really interesting way. You can watch Chronicle. It's on Disney Plus at the moment. So again, as with the other two, take some time, find 84 minutes in your day and um, give Chronicle a watch because I don't think you'll be disappointed. And as if 
to perfectly uh, symbolize the found footage fatigue of the late noughties and early tens. I am also going found footage. So a lot of horror movies also fall into the under 90 minute category. Yeah. Uh, so the vast majority of films under 90 minutes I found were animated comedies or horrors. So we had podcast favorite Tucker and Dale vs. Evil comes at an hour and 29. Like I said before, the Evil Dead trilogy all comes in under 90 minutes. Host is literally under an hour long. So that was the one which is done as a Zoom call. Forgot how good that film is. It legitimately fucked me up. <laughs> it's so well done. Like, if anything, the only thing that pulls you out of it is you can't help but think, how the fuck have you done this? Yeah, during a pandemic. As yeah, well, right? like, it, it's incredible. So I, I think it was, was it Shudder or Prime? Either way, track it down. It's less than an hour, but it's brilliant. So my film, the film we're talking about today is 78 minutes long. So 78 minutes, that takes us from here to junction 15 of the M40. Uh, so that's Warwick. So we could go see the castle. Nice. It is two minutes shorter than The Wall by Pink Floyd and an hour shorter than You Can't Do That On Stage Anymore, Volume 1 by Frank Zappa. <laughs> 78 minutes is also about the point in the Rugby World Cup semi-final that I lost all hope. So it's, it's, it's an important time. We are, of course, talking about... 2007's Spanish language masterpiece, Wreck, which I also rewatched today because I thought, I haven't watched this in a while. It's only 78 minutes long. Do, do we want to talk about the, <laughs> the interesting thing that happened whilst you watched this today? Yes. So <laughs> Bowie, uh, the dog, Bowie, remember him? He was sat on the sofa minding his own business. And as soon as he heard people speaking in Spanish, he immediately <laughs> stood up and started looking around and got antsy. It was odd so I'm, i don't know what you're training in. i mean to my knowledge he's not had any run-ins with any um spaniards that yeah. i'm aware of so something to keep an eye on yeah we, we, we will we will uh we will make sure that um i, I don't want to raise a bigoted dog no who does <laughs> well bigots i guess but apart yeah, but from them there was that guy who got arrested for teaching his dog to do the nazi salute you've seen that? yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't know what we comment on that no no fucked up <laughs> so wreck is so it's found footage again it very cleverly figures out a reason why they will continue filming because i think that immediately derails a lot of found footage films again south park hilariously took the piss out of it in is it the startling when you have giant guinea pigs attacking everyone oh yeah a lot of the time yeah a lot of the time in found footage stuff it's why are you still filming? So the film follows a character called Angela, who is a presenter of the fictional show While You're Sleeping. And the idea is they're following night workers around, basically. This episode she's filming is about the night shift at a local fire station. While she's there, they get called to an apartment where this old woman is trapped in her apartment and they just hear her screaming. And then shit goes down. And the reason they're filming is obviously, first of all, it's a TV show. He's yeah. going to be filming. Secondly, when, <laughs> you know, they find a bloody woman who starts trying to bite people near them, um, they keep filming because it feels like it's a bigger story. And then the apartment basically gets covered in what can only be described as like the E.T. plastic wrap. Um, <laughs> and they get kept in saying that like these uh, health inspectors are going to be coming down and they have to stay put in the apartment, which sounds nefarious to say the least so the idea is they're continuing to film so they have evidence that the government and stuff is 
trying to keep them there in case anything happens. Yeah. So it makes sense. And what is also quite interesting is, so Angela is played by a Spanish actress called Manuela Velasco, who is actually a TV presenter. Okay. Or at least had done TV presenting, and then I think this obviously took her career in another direction. Which brings us to today's tangent. <laughs> Which TV presenter would you want to see take on zombies? Amy Holmes. Nice, I like that. For me, there are three choices. Louis Theroux. Yep. Richard and Judy. <laughs> a- Eamon Holmes is the answer of which TV presenter would I want to be seen eaten by zombies? That was, yeah, that was definitely my... Uh, well, actually, no, which one I'd like to see eaten by zombies? Jeremy Clarkson and Piers Morgan together. Eamon Holmes is the reason um, I swore in front of my partner's parents for the first time. <laughs> we were over there for, I think, like Christmas, mm. and... This morning was on, and I was watching it. And Eamon Holmes had just done... I must have talked about this before, because I talked about it nonstop for ages. He had, like, a VR... He put a VR headset on and got kind of, like, lowered into water, and the VR headset showed sharks. I'm sorry. I feel like you're making this up. No, 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 no. So he was, he was talking about it. <laughs> right. He was talking about how freaky it was. And on the sofa was a woman who'd had her leg bitten off by a shark. <laughs> and I'm... I'm Horrifically paraphrasing it, and I don't want to. I'm not researching that as a tangent when I'm talking about wreck. But out loud, I said, "You're fucking kidding me." <laughs> I'm not sure if they heard, but it was definitely the first moment I could remember very loudly swearing in front of people, well, in front of them anyway. But he's oh fuck yeah. But I think Rich and Judy would be great. Yeah, um, Louis Theroux. I could see a very wreck model of him doing like a weird weekend thing. And then a zombie outbreak breaks out. So tell out. me, why, why are you, why do you want to violently eat these people's faces? <laughs> and then he said you had to aim for the brain. Sorry, I am, I am now watching. It's true. Eamon Holmes did get lowered into a water in a shark cage, wearing a VR headset, and shat himself because there was a fake shark. And, it... and then mansplained it to a shark attack survivor. He is such a bellend, isn't he? Such a bellend. <laughs> But any combination of hosts on this morning, I'd like to see take on zombies. Did do you remember Dead Set? Yes, the is like the Big Brother. Yes, yeah, so yeah. what I didn't realize until recently was it was Charlie Brooker. Oh really? Yeah, so Charlie Brooker wrote it. So it's the idea is it's following the Big Brother house and there's a zombie outbreak outside and no one's sure if it's real or not. And then it gets very gory. So yeah, it's Charlie Brooker and Andy Nyman is in it who famously wrote ghost stories and he's okay. very heavy into the, the b-movie stuff there's also a very not in a similar vein but there's a, a ben elton book called dead famous yeah. which is set in basically set in the big brother house but there's a murder in the big oh, brother wow. house and it shoots the ratings up and kind of goes through like it's a kind of whodunit thing but on a yeah murder on, on big brother which um is is quite a cool cool idea for a book okay and, yeah um, so the, uh, back to as, as much fun as imagining Richard and Judy killing zombies would be because um, immediately Richard is going to tie his tie around his head <laughs> right like there's no ifs or buts about it oh, and also Judy's going to just like I don't know if you've if you've seen any anything more recently with Richard and Judy but she just looks constantly like why did I marry this prick yeah <laughs> Uh, do you know who their son-in-law is? No. 
Uh, I mean, immediately. Follow up question. Do you know who James Haskell is? Uh, rugby? Yeah. <laughs> Two questions, no answers. Uh, so, back to Wreck. So, the cast weren't given full scripts. Right. So, nobody had any idea how long they survived for or what was going to happen. So, that means everyone involved was constantly on edge waiting to be told if they were going to die that day. An early scene in the film also involves a body dropping from one of the top floors down into the lobby where all the characters are. Um, nobody told the actors that was going to happen. Oh, wow. Yeah, because filmmakers are, I think, inherently cunts. <laughs> but it really works. It, it's a very effective film. Uh, so no sets were built. It was filmed in an actual Barcelona apartment building, which I found out today I stayed just round the corner from when I was in Barcelona oh, last nice. Yeah, if I'd known, I 100% would have gone and taken photos. But it's just, it's so cleverly done. Given, given it's, it's two things which are so easy to do generically. So found footage and zombies. Yeah. It, it's so, such a unique spin on it. Um, so the, the zombies actually have a proper backstory to it. The actual zombie stuff of it is only really like the last third, if not quarter of the film. Um, the majority of it is just the tension building of they know something's happening. They know there's like this disease or infection and everyone's blaming other people and everything like that. So it, it just ramps the tension up and then it is just people running away from shit for a while. <laughs> yeah, it, you never question why the camera's on. They use the light of the camera as well, kind of in dark rooms, which yeah. makes sense. Um, it was heavily... It was a big influence for the video game Outlast, which I think we might have talked about before. Outlast is good fun, yeah. Yep, uh, I think I've mentioned uh, I've played it once. I was in a house by myself in the dark. Something scary happened. I turned it off and never played it again. But Wreck is like, I think it's hands down one of my favourite horror films. I, I think it's so cleverly done. And then Wreck 2, which I was very close to picking, possibly instead of Wreck comes in at 85 minutes and it is i think the best horror sequel ever made so it's still found footage but the idea is it is a swat team going into the apartment after all of this has happened and all of the swat members have like a camera on their helmet so you're following those yeah and it isn't just a rehash of the first it doesn't take anything like the beats from the first one it just builds on the story and immediately takes it in a completely unique di uh, direction. And I, I think it's so clever. Yeah. And the world they build just in these two films is... I, I can't think of any other films. The closest I can think of the way it builds on the first is John Wick. Yeah. Really. Like, the first film is very simple, and then it just builds on the story, and it still all makes sense. And there's also four of them? So there's four of them. So Wreck Apocalypse... No, uh, Wreck Genesis is like a side it's the It's the Phil Collins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wreck with Phil Collins. I always preferred Wreck Tonight, Tonight, Tonight. <laughs> um, so Wreck Genesis is set at a wedding, and the only thing that ties it to the film is it's the same kind of like outbreak. Right. Uh, okay. I don't want to go into details on the outbreak because they explain that in the first film, and I want people to kind of experience it themselves. Yeah. But if, only the... if, it was, if only it was my wedding. <laughs> but the be I, I wouldn't know. I didn't go. No, you didn't, you prick. Yep. Uh, I sensed it, Grant. Me, me and your tear ducts knew what was going on. So, yeah, Wreck 3 is at a wedding, and it follows the wedding photographer, or videographer, who's filming. 
and then halfway through someone says why the fuck are you still filming and knocks the camera out of his hands and then it immediately switches to a traditionally filmed film oh interesting uh it's very good it's closer to kind of like evil dead in places but it's worth it's worth watching i it's nowhere near as good as the first two but that doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable film yeah and then i haven't seen the the fourth one is a direct sequel to wreck 2 okay uh, because nobody makes simple named films anymore. We have Wreck, Wreck Squared, <laughs> Wreck Cubed Genesis, Wreck Apocalypse. You, you didn't know what the what the terminology. Oh, does it have the four? Yeah, it's got the four. Oh, I didn't realize. I thought they just called it Wreck Apocalypse. No, there's Keep there's wreck. the four. I don't know either. To be fair. Well, given it goes squared and then cubed, that feels like it's going in the wrong direction anyway. Yeah, true. Well, no, because it's squared because it's in two dimensions, cubed because it's in three dimensions. Um. So what? Wreck, <laughs> quad wreckahedron. <laughs> wreck space-time continuum apocalypse. Yeah. Wreck the concept of time apocalypse. I think it's probably just to the power of four. That makes a lot more sense. Again, it was one of those films similar to the TV episodes we talked about earlier, where the first time I watched it, you knew it. It's like, yep, no, this is. If anything, this this ruined found footage films. Until Chronicle came out. Yeah. Because the whole thing had started to get tired and boring. And then this came out and it felt completely fresh. And yeah. Then Re- yeah. And then Rec 2 came out and changed it just enough that it still felt fresh. And then people started trying to ape this. There was a horrible remake called Quarantine. Yeah. Um, the only good thing with Quarantine is it's got an actor in called Doug Jones, who I think is literally the least appreciated actor working him and andy circus i'm assuming have like a actors anonymous meeting so doug jones is a really tall lanky guy with long arms and long legs yeah like his body frame feels slightly inhuman so he plays everything that looks weird he was in hellboy he's basically been in he was the the uh the pale man in pan's labyrinth okay yeah he's in star trek discovery to because apparently every episode we do has to tie into the one before. So he plays an alien in that. And he his... Shape of Water as well, right? Yeah, he, he's so good at what he does. But he's always under heavy makeup. So nobody... You couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Yeah. But he's... He, oh, he's <laughs> funny enough, he's also in the TV series for What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a very special kind of actor to give character to something where you wouldn't necessarily be able to actually use your facial expression yeah but he was literally the only good thing in quarantine and you only saw him through night vision and he just kind of had to aimlessly bumble around an attic but yeah wreck uh it's one of my favorite films therefore it's one of my favorite horror films therefore it's one of my favorite fan footage films and 78 minutes you couldn't do a lot in 78 minutes apart from apparently get to warwick uh that that was that was the choices this week uh graham Yes. Out of your three, mm. what's your top three, Mike? Um, I think I'm probably going to go third place. I think I'm just going to go in reverse order from, from what we went in, actually. So Chronicle, third place, really great film, really unique take on the series, but just the other two are a bit better. Same with What We Do in the Shadows. I love it. It's hilarious. It's, you know, it's spawned so many good spin-offs and um and it's a great great movie but there's just there was something and it's similar to what you were saying about hot rod about like knowing where you were when you saw it i think 
part of this. Sorry, I was just laughing because, uh, again, to reference something we've said before, I haven't seen Godfather Part 2, but I talked very romantically about remembering where I was when I saw Hot Rod. <laughs> part of this is, I think, with the viewing experience of, you know, there's not many films I've watched with, with John Landis and his wife. It was this. It was Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that probably is, is leans into it. But also just re-researching Safety Not Guaranteed came back with all of the feels and I just realised how much I love this movie and, and need to watch it again. So that is going to be... And also I think the other thing that sets it apart from the other two is it's just such a a really sort of well-contained, well-thought-out, intricate story that's played out in 86 minutes. And yeah, I can't really fault it. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think coming coming in at three for me is Hot Rod. Uh, I still think it's very, very funny, but I just... The other two are kind of like next tier up for me. And I, I won't like It's difficult to separate South Park and Rack, given I watched both of them today. But... I would go one of them second. Yeah. And then and I'd, I'd the probably one. go probably go the other one first. Okay. Good, good but I'm not I I actually don't know which way around would you put them? I would put I'd put South Park top. Yeah. And I would put it my only slight criticism on Rack and I really like it. This is no like this isn't a good movie. When you were watching it earlier today, I think I mentioned to you like the one thing that stuck out is it looks a bit low budget which i know it yeah. kind of was so instead we go for the film which looks like power bits of paper yeah. exactly yeah 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 that makes sense cool so out of principle south park second um, <laughs> no it, it's a difficult one that the the I'll, I'll the only thing i'm trying to think of with south park is how much extra love am i giving the film because of south park right like it's, it's a tough one but I, I i will go wreck second and i would go south park first i would i would happily go into the other room and watch south park again now yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily go into the other room and watch Wreck now, because it's because it's late, Graham. I don't want to get too scared. So, <laughs> yeah, Hot Rod three, Wreck a very close second, and then South Park, bigger, longer, and cut first. Which then brings us on to the points of the podcast, our joint top three. Our joint top three, which ironically, for a list of films less than 90 minutes long we've not managed to get to a conclusion in less than 90 minutes yeah what 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 i will do is after once i've edited it and we know how long this episode is yeah uh, after the closing music so after the final nobody asked for this yeah i i will list things which are the same length as the podcast excellent yeah i don't know it's a, it's a tough one um i love i love all, all six of these movies actually safety not guaranteed i think is is my top i think south park is up there too and then it's just for me it's a straight shootout between what we do in the shadows and wreck yeah you you threw me by not putting what we do in the shadows first <laughs> because for me it's a direct shootout between wreck and safety not guaranteed but i think part of that is i haven't watched safety not guaranteed as often as i've watched south park wreck and what we do in the shadows yeah and the, the the enduring thing for me as well with Safety Not Guaranteed is just the you know the comment that it has basically indirectly been one of the most influential films of the last decade in that it's been able to kind of propel these first time directors, writers, films that cost less than a million dollars, etc. And yeah, even like the 
where it had an impact on like streaming and distribution as well. Okay, so y- you would put Safety Not Guaranteed above South Park. Um, oh. I like I like how occasionally during these sections we either go like really argumentative or just business. So <laughs> I don't know because for for me, out of I I think it is a shootout between South Park and what we do in the shadows for number one. Okay, and then. Obviously, whichever one isn't number one, number two, and then Wreck and Safety Not Guaranteed, number three. I will give you Safety... Because you... you To hop back to previous episodes, because we are, you know... It's a give-and-take relationship. Uh, I will give you Safety Not Guaranteed at number three. Okay. But I am going to re-watch Safety Not Guaranteed this week. Okay. So next episode... Yeah. If I feel like you've disrespected this podcast by forcing it at number three when it shouldn't have been... Yeah. I will say so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, but obviously, bring your own weapons. I, I've only done this once before. Um, your safety is not guaranteed. I see what you did there. Uh, so, yeah, it is uh, South Park the movie or What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows, which is also found footage. Kind, well, not found footage, it's but not it's. Mockumentaries. Yeah. Which is what? The Bastard Cousin of Found Footage? Yeah. Actually, no, I'd say, I'd say Found Footage is the Bastard Cousin of Mockumentary because this is Spinal Tap must have been before. Any found footage stuff. Yeah, I mean, the first, like, mainstream found footage was Blair Witch Project, right? Yeah. The boring cat. <laughs> not, <laughs> no. not this. This is Spinal Tap, another film I was very close to picking, because that's under 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, unlike this episode. So, South Park, what are we do in the shadows? The crossover we've been crying out for. Um... Okay, South, that just, that just, South Park, just... because fart jokes are always oh. funny. <laughs> and now you have to keep that in. That's fair enough. That re- <laughs> I mentioned this before, that reminds me of... Uh, so re- we rewatched all the Jackass movies that are on Netflix. Yeah. And my partner was on uh, one sofa, I was on the other. And there was just... It was... I think it was a fart joke or a shit joke or something like that. And she said, God, it's... I don't understand why anyone finds this image. Like, she, she, she likes South Park, but there are parts of it which is definitely, like, guy humour. Jackass. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bits of uh, Jackass, which are definitely, like, guy humour. And I think she was like, why do, I, I still don't get why someone would find this funny. And I couldn't reply to her because I was laughing so much to myself. <laughs> which, uh, yeah. Stand by it. Okay, so, South Park 1. I wonder if that, that argument would work for anything else. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna try and try and yeah. fart during uh, any debates. Yeah. So yeah. So it's between Top Gun or Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> okay. So the top uh, the podcast nobody asked for is top three films less than ninety minutes long. Number three, we probably have safety not guaranteed. Uh, but it's in. not guaranteed, am I right? <laughs> hey! <laughs> safety probably guaranteed the prequel, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so number two, we have what we do in the shadows. And number one, we have South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. If you agree with our choices, if you loved any other films that were less than 90 minutes long, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us on Kofi at the podcast nobody asked for, where you can buy us a coffee. And all of that money goes into making the podcast bigger and better and buying us stuff. <laughs>
Yes, if 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 you're really disappointed that uh, the number one film this week was chosen on the basis of flatulence, um, and want to complain about it, you can tell us about it on Twitter at nobody asked for pod with the number four. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at the same address, and we have all of the wonderful social media, podcast links, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all on our website at the podcast nobody asked for dot co. UK. And remember to leave us reviews on Apple Podcast and on Podchaser. It does really help because it, you know, algorithms and all of that clever Steve Jobs shit. And in your review, put any episode <laughs> ideas. You okay there? Clever Steve Jobs shit. Like what? <laughs> Steve Jobs invented algorithms. <laughs> so. In your review, put any future episode ideas you have, and we will make sure we do the best <laughs> ones. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this uh, this episode did not come in under 90 minutes as planned. In fact, it is well over two hours right now. I wonder how much we're going to cut out. Uh, not, not the farting. <laughs> not the farting. No. No. We're, we're in our 30s. <laughs> For this. this week's episode of the podcast nobody asked for about things being less than 90 minutes long was 100 minutes long. That's the same length as the movie Dark City, the movie Finding Nemo, the movie Drive. You could also get from here to junction 15A of the M1, which is around Northampton in that time, and was also the length of the France vs Wales game in the Six Nations in 2017, after a scrum in the 79th minute took... Fucking forever to finish. Good day.